You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by T.J. Ward at the four-yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again. On Overtime Media. Happy Saturday. Welcome in. Hopefully everybody's been enjoying the first real week, week one of college football, week zero, whatever the heck that nonsense is. Um, but week one of college football, hopefully congratulations to uh, you uh, CU Buff fans out there. Um, RIP to the CSU Ram fans out there. Unfortunately, not a losing to suppose it South Dakota State. Not the best, but um, I know that the uh, I'm an Iowa Hawkeye fan rocking my my Hawks got my Hawks sock, socks on as well. So uh, excited to win a game. I know, Eric, you're a ma- major big time Hawkeye fan as well. So you're you're happy to hear that the Hawks won. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And unfortunately, a large por- uh, portion of our conversation tonight is going to revolve around a former Hawkeye. So, oh, boy, yeah. the best Hawkeye is out of mash. So, yep, absolutely. Well, let's uh, let's say hello to everybody who's in here right now as we're getting going. We got Andrew Morrow's in the house. Uh, good to see you saying after last season, as long as they aren't on the pup list, I'm happy last season was rough around this time. Uh, good call on that one. Um, hopefully Broncos over- overwhelmingly and overall probably avoided the injury bug early but the 17 game season depth is going to be leaned on some point wicked royalties in the house too saying my high huddle in full effect huddle up broncos country heck yeah wicked uh, wicked royalty good to see you dylan von arks in the house sup broncos country uh make sure you hit that like button on the way in thank you guys very much listen to dylan hit that like button they're coming in uh, steady jayco's ads in the house hello good to see you malachi martin uh this is like the third year where fan has issues with his lower body uh we're going to get into it but that's a great comment there and uh you know, a little bit, a uh, little bit of a worry, but we'll see. Um, good comments from Jay, John D Herrera coming in Broncos. Please start off three. You know, let's let's get to one and zero first. You know, let's one and zero would be great. Hasn't been one, haven't been one and zero in a, a while. Uh, we also got Joseph Anthony. I really need to start off fast and get to a three and zero start while we have the Giants, Jags, and Jets. One game at a time, like I said. Um, we got Pauls in the house too. Awesome. Hi Eric and hi Nick. John D Herrera again saying let's get the party started. Joseph Anthony saying hey everyone. Vinny J also good to see you. Vinny J Percy Phillips. What's up fellas. Uh, Topher seven, three, seven saying evening, sir. Evening to you. Topher uh, Alvin jr. Is in the house as well. Hey, Broncos country ready for the week. George Fox saying, Hey guys, thanks for all on uh, all your sight insight on the team. Thank you very much for the nice comment there. Mark Linda mode coming in saying, howdy, Nick, Eric, I'm on YouTube tonight. Go Broncos. Thanks, Mark. Um, and also we got fearless Frank saying what's going on with Fant. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. And, uh, here we go. Um, in the shop with Willie. Well, heck, guess I'll join in today. Good to see you, Willie. And blue, uh, blue Cybert doesn't look like Sherbert. Uh, go Teddy. Let them hate. There we go. Um, Flo Ocho Cinco's in the house too. Greetings from Germany. Uh, Guten Tag. Joseph T. Fisher. Hello. Go Denver. Let's go Vaughn Miller and Bradley Chubb. And uh, yeah, Eric May. Uh, Ernie Mays also. Hello, Nick and Eric. Go Broncos. So great to see. Great to see. Um, and Leroy, I see your comment here, but we're going to get into the matters of business here real quick. Uh, this is obviously Mile High Insider Saturday night. Luke is t- taking a much deserved break. Um, so, you know, good for him. Good break. Um, I'll actually be taking a break next week. I'll be deep in the Olympic Peninsula doing a backpacking trip that I got lucky to get permits for. So we'll flip again next week. So Luke and I can never seem to, to hook up. But that's OK. Thank you, Eric, for very much for joining us today. Speaking of Eric, you guys can follow Eric on Twitter at Eric Trickle and myself on Twitter at Nick Kendall MHH. Also guys, shout out to Scott, um, my co-host for uh, Broncos for breakfast. He's working the background here. Uh, you can follow him at scout Kennedy. Um, also you guys are on YouTube. Follow us at mile high or MHI underscore pod, as well as at mile high huddle Facebook folks. We get the likes and the hearts coming in here. Shout out to Andrew Baker and Ernie Mace for getting the heart over on Facebook. God bless you guys. 
Uh, but while you're over on Facebook, join us at facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle and facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle pod. Uh, and while you guys are over on Facebook, make sure you're getting those stars in competing for that Von Miller Jersey, as well as a mile oh. high huddle. Ooh. Go ahead. Is actually, the the race for that actually ended last night. We got to the 500,000 oh, stars. The 500, well, yep. there you go. Um, So be on the lookout for those people who earn those uh, through on those stars for winning that jersey. But it uh, doesn't mean the stars have to stop coming in, of course. Uh, wink, wink, nudge, nudge to you guys. I'm speaking of stars right here. We got uh, Tyron uh, Gaither coming in here with the stars over on Facebook with a cute picture of his kid with a looks like a bunny balloon. Um, it's really small on my screen, so uh, I'm going to go with that. I do have good eyes, but uh, not, they don't have magnifying glass going on here. Uh, YouTube folks, also, Super Chat, still very much welcome, appreciated, but not everybody's in a position to contribute that way. But you can do completely free. Subscribe, like, and share. Helps helps us a heck of a lot. So, Eric, um, I, I want to bust your balls here real quick before we even get going. You, Mr. NFL Draft Analyst. Mr. You know, head head draft analyst from Mile High Huddle does not enjoy watching college football live. What the heck is going on, man? I just I just don't I don't it must be because you're from Alaska. I don't get it. <laughs> well, part of the reason for that is that it's just watching it live, I feel it's just too easy to get into the hype of the game and the mood of it. Mm-hmm. And then going back, catching it all live, like I'm following on Twitter, I'm keeping track of the highlights and stuff. And then going back after the hype has ended, it I guess it kind of it feels to me anyways that I'm going into the game with kind of a fresh mind, a clean mind, able to just watch it, not really partake. It's one reason, too, why I really don't find myself rooting for any college football team, too. Other than the Iowa Hawkeyes, of course. You <laughs> forgot that. Um, we got Thad Benson coming in saying howdy with the beautiful mustache. Uh, Andrew Morrow coming in with the stars here. Thank you so much, Andrew. Uh, appreciate that so much. Everybody bringing in the stars. Miguel, uh, Santa, Stevan coming in here saying, uh, my daughter said go Broncos, but not the Raiders. That's a bad word. You're raising her right. Um, also Tommy Simmers coming in saying, thank God. Um, so yeah, let's, uh, let's get into the topic of conversation here. Um, and also guys, don't worry. I'll make sure that, uh, here we go. Hey, Nick and Eric, how about those Hawks? See, we got the Hawks in here. We're starting to build a brand. That's great. And Thad saying, Nick, make sure Eric stays out of trouble. I'll do my best. No promises. Um, you guys just make sure Eric doesn't cyber bully me. Um, that's, that's what we're looking out for here. Um, but injuries hate it. It's part of the game. It's a very physical game. Um, Broncos are one of the teams that probably played their starters the most over preseason. Like we said earlier, they are a team that fortunately escaped almost all their main, most likely main contributors, uh, not having a serious injury, but we do have a couple here that we want to monitor for a couple of Bronco, the Broncos young stud players that should maybe garner some interest going now and also going forward please cyber bully him eric so you're getting a gang you're uh you're getting cheered on there um but uh noah fant and bradley chubb so uh what can you tell us about that right now as far as the the injuries for both of these guys uh what they're dealing with well i mean bradley chubb he's done with an ankle injury it's not the in, not the ankle that he had surgery on earlier in the offseason i think back in may or june i can't remember exactly when so that's good news it's not the injury that was bothering him last year and then Really, with no offense injury, I'm kind of, I don't know much about it except for it's a leg injury. That's basically the generalized sum of what I've heard. And it's kind of like, to me, I've got a bad feeling about it because how the coaches are handling this reminds me a lot of Baron Browning and how vague they are about it. Turned out that Baron Browning got his leg kicked, was dealing with the hairline fracture, and that's what caused him to miss so much time. Hopefully, no offense, not that bad. They're saying that he'll be able to, he'll be good to go in week one, which is great because against the New York Giants defense, they could really use him, especially with Blake Martinez yeah. there. So, not sure exactly how severe it is and or exactly what the injury is, but it's something that's definitely uh, 
concerning me a little bit. Yeah, and we got Dave Glassman coming in here. No concerns from Dave uh, with the Orange Heart and Blue Heart coming in here with the stars. Dave is a consistent show-to-show, week-to-week, day-to-day contributor for the show and really supportive of the Mile High Huddle brand and all the live streams. So shout-out to you, Dave. Thank you so much for your contribution and just consistent, unwavering support. Um, so, yeah, I think I would kind of want to get into Noah Fant first. And uh, I think the, the, I am concerned about this. And I always say on the show, when it comes to the Broncos, I try to be as non-biased as possible. But if there's any time that I'm kind of biased towards any Broncos, it's ones who came from the University of Iowa. Uh, I can fully admit that. I tr- I'm, I'm definitely critical of them, too, because I want them to be good. I don't want them to be disappointments. I feel like, you know, we're all representing the state of Iowa. I'm not like them, though. But um, you want them to be good. But no offense. This is the third year in a row where he's had some sort of lower body injury that has caused issues for him. Now, the season is not even started yet. Like, is he going to be able to play through it? That's fine. Um, but I think early on at Iowa, there was some concerns about him playing through conditioning and injuries, um, so to speak. Um, they kind of leaned on TJ Hawkinson when Fant was dealing with those injuries. Also, Fant was going to be a first-round pick, so it made sense to kind of protect him in that regard when those guys aren't getting paid like they are in the NFL. Um, but do you have any concerns with that long-term? Is, am I reading too much into this? I mean, are, do, are we starting to have to worry about him being somebody who has that constantly injured label on him? Because it just it does feel like it's pretty consistent. And if he goes out there and plays through it, you know, there are guys who do that. You're going to be playing with injuries no no matter what throughout the season at some point. Um, but it's just, it hurts me to say, but it feels like it's like a lot. It's, ha- it's, it's been pretty consistent for him. It has. And it's something that I think will always be a problem, especially with somebody his size and his athletic ability. You're going to see defenders go a little bit lower when they go to bring them down, which is going to put those legs at risk. The good news is that last year, despite the injury that he had, he was still one of the top 10 tight ends in the NFL in terms of production and overall production. He still had a really good rookie year despite dealing with an injury then as well. So despite this, he he's still performing. And until, like, I'm concerned. Obviously, you don't want him to get hurt because every time you're hurt, if you play through it or not, you're risking um, a long-term, longer injury, a worse injury if you play through it. There, there's just a cascading effect here with it that's always a concern. So you don't want him to get hurt. You want him to be through it. But I think it's something that he's probably going to deal with for the mo- majority of his career. And the hope is that he's able to go out there and still continue to produce that a little bit. And with it, with these injuries, I mean, this is one thing why this offseason, I was quite concerned about the tight end room. Um, Eric Saubert fortunately stepped up a little bit. Yes, Albert Okwebenam seems to be on a path to prove my pre-draft evaluation of him wrong. So hopefully they're able to step up if Ant does miss time. We'll, we'll see, but uh, I mean, there's fans' injuries. I mean, he, it, it's it's again, it's it's just hard with uh, how him be missing time, but still going out there and producing. And yep. And speaking of producing, another uh, solid weekly show, every show contributor, Andrew Baker, coming in here saying, "Sup, fam, damnly." Hashtag MHH for life. Hashtag Denver Broncos for life. Julius Start Patrick Sertan the second, and what scheme will he play? So what's where? What his alignment will be? I think is what he's getting at here. Um, so this is against the Giants, and I think a lot of this is going to depend on if Evan Ingram is going to play. Um, I know that he's also dealing with an injury as well. Um, he's kind of that H backs big slot receiver tight end hybrid where he's an amazing athlete, but he's a little bit small uh, for the position. You know, he he does his best. Uh, to do the blocking. I think it was a uh, Ole Miss versus Florida state um, back in whatever year, 2016, 2017, where Evan Ingram just like beat the absolute heck 
out of uh, Demarcus Walker on multiple plays, which is not what you want to see um, from your uh, second round defensive interior defensive lineman getting beat by a small tight end. Um, but uh, what Patrick Sertan's role is going to be, you're still going to see some slot, some dime. I would imagine as long as Bryce Callen hasn't trained and then traded and then the formula changes. Um, but um, how important it is for him to play as that big slot eraser is really going to depend on if we see Evan Ingram or not on the game and to what extent, you know, he could be like Fant where he's out there on a pitch count or like mainly for some kind of looks, but he's not really emphasized in the game plan because of the injuries. I think the easiest way to describe Sertan's role is that he's basically going to be the star defensive back. Something that he did a little bit early on in Alabama and with him kind of playing the slot, the boundary handling these tight ends. That's basically the easiest way to describe what his role on this defense is going to be. And I just want to put a put reverse real quick. Um, just for some vernacular out there for the people listening to the show, you know, when you say somebody is a star defensive back, you know, that could mean like Champ Bailey was a star defensive back. Justin Simmons, you could argue, is a star defensive back. What is a star is a position in the back seven. What does that mean necessarily for this defense? It's something we've seen a lot in college over the years. And as you guys, you know, followers of football or these shows probably understand, there's kind of a trickle up effect um, when it comes to innovation in scheme. Uh, in football. So you're seeing, you've seen it in college. Now you're starting to see it more in the NFL. So what is this star position, so to speak, and how does it fit in the Broncos uh, scheme with Vic Fangio? Well, it's definitely going to take some adjustment from Vic Fangio because it's not typically a kind of position that he uses in his defensive front. Mm-hmm. Um, Alabama, they're the team that uses it the most. For, I mean, not necessarily the most of the team that has the, obviously the most eyes on them that uses it quite a bit. And it's just a Easiest way I can sum it up is it's a versatile defensive back that does just a little bit of everything in your defensive scheme. They'll handle some deep safety stuff. They'll play down in the box. They'll play in the slot. They'll play on the boundary. Just whatever's needed. And it's kind of more matchup based than just flat roll kind of thing. Yeah. Nope. Absolutely. Good comment there. And um, we got a comment coming in here from Mo Ron as well saying, Nick in the house. This seems like a great pairing. Uh, Eric and I razz each other constantly, um, and it's just it's constant teasing each other on Twitter and the platforms, not really as much in our personal chat, but uh, for the public, <laughs> it's, it's always a fun time. Um, and he all, Mo also says just need Scott for the ultimate trifecta. Scott is in the house. Scott is working the background right now. So we are uh, very grateful for Scott for doing that um, and uh, enjoying it. So he says also everybody have a drink on him. Also, everybody have a drink every time I mention the undefeated uh, Big Ten West leading uh, Iowa Hawkeyes. Um, but yeah, no, let's let's keep it going here. Um, Noah Fant, you mentioned it earlier. Uh, entering this season, if Noah Fant missing time would have scared me greatly because after Noah Fant, it's, it looked like on paper, Broncos are pretty void of talent. Now, a lot of people were projecting for Albert Okoyebunam. Um, obviously, a big guy ran fast in a straight line, kind of turns like a battleship um, in his routes. But if you can be big and fast in a straight line and they get the ball to you, in the open field, good things can happen. Had to improve his blocking. Vic Fangio has complimented him multiple times on that. Um, and I think that he improved, but uh, f- he was better last year than he was in college as well. So that's great to see, especially with the size, really no excuse to be not great as a blocker. Um, but w- would you be concerned about this Broncos giants game specifically? If Noah Fant is, let's say 50% of the snaps he normally would get, if they're kind of a little bit patient with him, or is this a team and with the Broncos depth where you're like, okay, we can probably survive Saubert, uh, Okoy Benam running with the wide wide receivers that they have as well, going a little bit more 11 and uh, nursing Fant along a little bit. Um, the concern for me against the Giants specifically is that I want my best tight end to just try and cancel out Blake Martinez. 
I think Blake Martinez is probably the most underrated linebacker in the NFL right now, and he's probably top five overall for me. He's so good. <laughs> he he's really good. I mean, like, like <laughs> Blake Martinez. I mean, he's not some outstanding cover guy, but last year he was top three in basically every single advanced statistical category for linebackers, right behind Bobby Wagner and um, Roquan Smith. Like he was up there with them. Yeah. Allows a lot of catches, but he's right there. Allows very little yards after the catch. And he's not the best athlete, but he's so smart and instinctive that he just is in the right place at the right time. Mm-hmm. And so I want to combat that with the best athlete I have at tight end. And that's Noah Fant, and he's yeah. the best player there. So not having him taking out Blake Martinez could sit there and allow Blake Martinez to kind of roam a little bit with where he's focusing on mm-hmm. and just – and I, I would just want him to focus in on one player because getting Martinez to focus in on Fant just opens up so much for everybody else on the offense because you can use him to clear out the middle with Blake Martinez and with Teddy Bridgewater especially, opening up the middle of the field is so important to keep the ball moving. And uh, I don't know if I'd put Martinez in the top five, but I have not watched him under the microscope. I know that he signed a massive deal um, going from the Packers to the Giants and it was much, it was very chastised. At the time, because <laughs> at the time it was very well deserved. He definitely grew, and I don't know if it's a scheme the Giants are running or what, but he seen he just played exceptionally well there last year. Do you think? And obviously, defense is always a very synergistic or synergistic. You're as good as the guys around you kind of situation. There might not be a better interior defensive line uh, pairing in football this season than what the Giants have up front with Dexter Lawrence and uh leonard williams do you think that plays a big part like his job is easier when you have two absolute units on the interior defensive line in front of you well the thing with that is he's really good against the run as well but he's often covering up against Mm -hmm. covering up for the front line i mean last year the um four main defensive linemen for them all were in the negative for um what is it the can't remember this the stay off the top of my head now for run defense they were all in the negatives which is not good and he was one of the few defenders on the Giants defense that was in the positive I mean he just helped carry him a little bit and hopefully they'll able to step up I think that Leonard Williams helped a little bit with his play and coverage because he's did a really good job getting interior pressure but I, I it's hard to say how much that defense had an impact on him with what's around him because just they, they were good in some ways, bad in others. Yeah. I mean, the only other defensive interior defensive line duo that I can think of that would rival them on paper would be probably the Washington football team uh, with Payne and um, John Allen. Um, but man, Dexter Lawrence, uh, he was one of the highest rated recruits and didn't probably as much as you can say, he didn't live up to it at Clemson. Um, he was very good, but on the line with like Christian Wilkinson next to him, Christian Wilkins, excuse me, uh, next to him, he just didn't live up to it. But six five three fifty, it looked, and also as young as he was, he's really started to take that next step. Might might be the second best young one tech zero tech type of defensive tackle in football behind Vita Vea, in my opinion. Um, but it will be really interesting. I think the Broncos can get by without Noah Fant in this game and survive. And I know that obviously you'd rather have your good players out there. And shout out to uh. Uh, Cruz and 26 with the $2 super. Hey, if you guys are an opposing team fan and you're civil in the comment section, um, then uh, by all means, you're welcome. So thank you very much. Uh, Cruz and for the super chat. That's very nice of you to do. Um, Gary leads Palmer also coming to the stars. Talk about a superstar in my eye 
always very, um, just always very supportive and uh, a good guy as well. And a good c- contributor um, for the show, just with the comments of uh, comment section. Um, so thank you very much, Gary. But the, I guess the point I was getting at is the reason I don't think I have to have Fant in this game is because I am not concerned with the explosiveness of the Giants offense. I don't think it's going to be a game where it's, uh, you know, first one to 30 wins kind of track meet where obviously I'd rather have Fant, but I think it's going to be a very much like a 19, uh, 1990s kind of maybe early 2000s game where it's going to be ugly. It's going to be one in the trenches uh, kind of thing. I mean, both these teams, especially before um, Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater was named the starting quarterback, but it was literally the Spider-Man pointing meme of the Giants and the Broncos <laughs> with Daniel Jones, questionable offensive line, good weapons on paper, good defense versus the Broncos. I mean, very similar Broncos, probably the, 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 the Giants have the Broncos when it comes to interior defensive line. I love Shelby Harris, love Draymond Jones. They're not as good as Leonard Williams or Dexter Lawrence. This is what it is. Um, but the Broncos, I mean, their edge rushers lap the Giants. So pr- two really good teams, very similar teams. I do think the Broncos have an edge when it comes to offensive line and uh, turnovers, and that might be the difference in this game. But because of how the Broncos defense can keep it close, I'm not really afraid of the Giants offense. I think you can go by maybe a little bit more conservative with Fant um, for when you need him more, when you have to be putting up. Like if we don't put up 30 points against the Chiefs, even if your defense is great, you're going to be having issues. So I personally might be a little bit more conservative. That wouldn't have been the case prior to camp, but I that's, I feel good about Saubert and Okoibinam, as well as how this Broncos team matches up with the Giants. I mean, I definitely agree. If this was a team that was far more explosive on offense, I would want Fant out there a little bit more. I just think that having him uh, handle Blake Martinez can be so beneficial for the offense that I still want it. Um, you can get by, of course, but it's just something that, could make life a little bit easier, I guess would be the best way to put it. But man, yeah, that Giants offensive line, like expectations are high for this Broncos defense against this Giants offense because where the Giants are weak at is right where the Broncos can easily exploit, and that's the defensive line. Yeah, and shout out, oops, shout out again to Tyron for the uh, the superstars here with the cute kid. That is indeed a picture of a bunny uh, balloon in the background. So um, thank you very much. And I good pivot here. Coming in right now. Um, thank you very much for that. Uh, talking about that Giants offensive line. Um, they have been really bad in camp. Maybe it's something where like because of the media for the Giants, maybe they're a little bit too. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Too critical, right? They're in the big Apple's eye. So like it's absolutely terrible all the time. It's like the Jets, right? Like even though they're bad, they get a lot of coverage. So maybe the, the Giants are being a little bit over scrutinized in that in that regard. Um, but I'm really curious to see how that Giants offensive line does. And while I say, you know, the, oh man, Giants offense doesn't scare me. We don't have to play keep up. If we want to play conservative with Fan, that's fine. I don't think that's actually true for Bradley Chubb because that's one where you have, it's the strength of the team, the defense. Daniel Jones is atrocious in the pocket at protecting the football. And Andrew Thomas has been not a good tackle pick um, for them for, what was it? Third overall, fourth overall, fourth overall, I think. Yeah. Um, and uh, man, they've passed on Wills, Becton and Werfs. That's got to be a, kick to the gonads um but uh, that's uh, unfortunate for them but that's this game even if bradley chubbs you know 80 percent, whatever i know the broncos have depth but i think you need chubb in this game especially the combination of bradley chubb and von miller that duo not only do they get pressures not only they get sacks they get strip sacks like crazy that's gonna how it's gonna work that's how you have to win this game who is the giants right tackle name's escaping me at the moment <sighs> is it uh do they still have is it still... soldier um... we'll get to it Matt oh, Pert is what ESPN oh, says. Yes, the from uh, Nate Soldier's a back backup for them. Uh, pride of uh, Colorado, right? Buffalo tackle there, taken by the 
by the uh, Patriots in 2011, I believe. Um, but uh, yeah, no, they have um, Matt Pert, who I liked in the third round coming out of UConn uh, two years ago. He's been okay. Um, man, that interior offensive line, though, has been bad. Shane Lemieux injured. Uh, he could have a season-ending surgery, I believe, but he's going to be playing through it. Um, they have Billy Price, former first-round pick, but he's a backup to Nick Gates at center. And Will Hernandez, who probably a lot of people in Broncos country recognize that name. A lot of people wanted the Broncos to trade up for him in that draft because of his connection with uh, Broncos' former offensive line coach, Sean Kugler, at the time, um, who I think is doing good things down in Tampa Bay right now, if I remember correctly he's either in tampa or arizona i think it's tampa though um but uh googler uh, will hernandez though he's kind of a he really mimics natane moody for me where he has those balling blocks and it's incredible but he gets out over his skates way too much and over aggressive and uh, that can lead to trouble in pass protection speaking of trouble though butch butch coming here with the stars thank you so much butch butch uh another guy who's in the top five top 10 uh for a chance to win the uh the von miller jersey there so shout out to you butch butch um what are your thoughts about bradley chubb i mean broncos have depth at edge they should be okay here but like chubb is a difference maker when he's healthy and on the field um and andrew thomas has been struggling especially with power for being a bigger guy you think he wouldn't have issues with that it's leverage issues when i've seen the tape um but um what do you think can you get by without chubb in this one or is chubb one where you're like i need i need that guy on the field I okay, so I think you can get by without Chubb because how bad Andrew Thomas has been, and yeah. I mean taking him fourth overall—that's just that was just a bad move. I don't know, I, I I don't know how people could have had him rated that highly. That's my personal opinion. I didn't like him coming out whatsoever. He's a guy that I felt very strongly that's not a tackle in the NFL and should be moved inside to guard. But again, I talked about this with Fant making your life easier getting Bradley Chubb out there with Von Miller on the other side, Matt Pert. He's not been super strong. He's been, I mean, he's definitely growing and you're seeing these signs of growth, not as bad as Andrew Thomas, but Von Miller is a whole different type of animal than what he's been dealing with. So being able to go and get this pressure off from the outside and then being able to capitalize on the interior, that's kind of, that's rather weak uh, for the giants. I know they traded for Ben Bredesen from the Baltimore Ravens. He should be able to help, a little bit on the inside, but again, Draymond Jones, Shelby Harris, and uh, Mike Purcell, when he comes in, these are guys that can really create some problems for them. And so making your life easier, get your pressure on Daniel Jones. He's got a knack for turning the ball over, especially under pressure. Go rattle him, help out the rest of your defense, and help out your offense as much as you can. Yeah, I mean... Everyone drink, but the Iowa Hawkeyes day, their quarterback play was atrocious. Spencer Rattler went like nine for 23 for a hundred yards, but Iowa was running the ball effectively and they got to a quick lead with turnovers and uh, strip sacks and all that fun stuff. And that's something I think you need to do in this game. You know, you don't Teddy, you don't want to have go out there and be like, Teddy, go win me the game. Teddy, don't go lose me the game. Let's control the line of scrimmage with the, the run game. Don't give up on the run game too. Cause I'm guessing there's going to be a lot of stalemates um, out there and uh, win the turnover battle. Cause Daniel Jones, it's like that butter or that ball is covered in butter because he is probably one of the most prone guys to strip sacks out there. Um, and with a bad offensive line too, that is a recipe for defensive touchdowns. That's a recipe for flipping the field position and uh, controlling the game. So uh, Brian, you know, go ahead, go ahead. You know who are big losers from the 2019 draft when it comes to these quarterbacks, you uh, and I, with how often we went back and forth about drew lock and Daniel Jones, we're definitely the big losers from that man. Uh, anybody who took a quarterback that wasn't the first overall pick in Kyler Murray probably was the uh, unfortunate <laughs> one there. Um, but uh, 
yeah, what can you do? Uh, Brian Greenfield, thank you so much. Are you ready for some football? $5 super over on YouTube. Brian, college football's here, so I'm very much ready for some football. Andrew Baker's in the house, too. What do you guys think of the running back room? I think Freeman earned a spot, especially till Boone is healthy, but they got compensation for him, I guess. Did, they didn't get compensation for Freeman, right? He was waived, and then the Panthers picked him up. So yep, He uh, was waived, and they got, in my opinion, a guy who was a downgrade. I mean, I guess there's potential with him, but I mean, he didn't show much as a receiver. He was a terrible blocker, doesn't offer up any special teams, which Royce Freeman didn't either. At least Royce, Royce Freeman was looking improved, looking good as a runner, mm-hmm. and you know what you're getting with him out of receiver. It's yeah. It was a questionable move for my on from me. Only thing that can make sense is that it just felt that it was just time to move on, which to me, I, I understand that. Yep. Um, but uh, I hear what you're saying here. The thing is, for Freeman, he looked good, but you, your third running back has to provide some sort of special teams ability. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it's a have or have not. You know, it's a yes, no. And uh, he did not bring anything to special teams, so he's now on another team. Is what it is. Um, I wish uh, Freeman nothing but the best, um, and I think he's got a good chance to make some look okay there in uh, Carolina. He was not going to get carries. He behind Mike Boone, considering how much they were hyping him in camp, um, and also how good Javante Williams looked and how good Gordon looked. I mean, they're just they're just not carries for him. It's too bad they couldn't get him uh, compensation for him. Cruzan twenty six coming back in with a two dollars super, saying, "I heard you guys have one of the worst run defenses." Uh, Eric, take this one. What do you think? We're, Broncos with one of the worst run defenses. I mean, last year it wasn't great, but dealing with all the injuries that they had, especially up front, definitely played a factor into that. I wouldn't say they were one of the worst. They're definitely about mid-tier, and I think that this year they'll be a lot better. I mean, teams averaged a successful run rate against them about 50% at the highest, So, and that's per on a per-down basis. So wasn't great by any means, but wasn't terrible either. I do wonder how much of that is predicated on scheme for the Broncos because the Broncos also played one of the uh, lowest rate of stacked boxes in football last year, as well as one of the highest rates of two deep safety looks. So um, I think Vic Fangio is very much on the forefront of, listen, if you want to run the football, by all means, God bless. That means you're taking the ball out of Justin Herbert's hands, Derek Carr's hands, Patrick Mahomes' hands. Do it. I triple dog dare you. Um, But I think there's a lot of, that lots to be said with how the Broncos run game is somewhat trading off being less efficient, stopping the run in order to prevent the big pass play. And one thing too, with this Broncos defense, I mean, I know you and I, we've talked about it a lot about how they're a one gapping scheme. And uh, Ted Wynn actually had a article on the athletic that really highlighted this. And it was very enlightening that the best way to actually look about the gap responsibilities for the Broncos defense is it's actually one and a half. They're still able to go and attack the half, but they have to keep in mind, to protect, to be able to cut back and take the other gap as well. And when you're playing guys like Deshaun Williams, who ended up turning out really well, but a guy who wasn't expected to be a starter, when you're playing guys that you basically weren't expecting to be starter, when you lose your top defensive lineman and then your second defensive lineman gets hurt and banged up and your third guy gets hurt and banged up and you're having this rotation on your defensive line that you weren't looking into, then it's going to be problematic because one and a half gapping is just adding a lot more to it. That a lot more required from your defensive lineman on an intelligence aspect. Yep. Uh, patience, a big one there, awareness, all that stuff. And, uh, apparently the Broncos had the 25th ranked run defense last year. I'm not sure if that's rushing yards per game. Um, I personally am a fan of the football outsiders where they, uh, 
use weighted statistics to pull that out. So like if you're going against the best run teams, even if you are statistically giving up more rushing yards, you're going to be uh, weighted uh, a little bit towards the mean. Uh, so that way it doesn't look as bad, right? Like for the Broncos last year, you know, they're playing some of the worst or some of the best quarterbacks, some of the past game, uh, best uh, passing games in football. Maybe their passing yards are going to look average when it comes to actually raw stats. But when you look at who they actually played, it does matter. Um, so yeah, we're talking right now about uh, Von Miller. I see in the chat. Um, some people here, I think it was Clee saying Miller is overpaid. He'll be lucky if he gets 10 sacks this season. Some people, Rufus coming in saying as soon as he signed a big contract, he kind of fell off. And, um, I'm going to have to say Von Miller, maybe he is somewhat overpaid for the actual production he has. I mean, you paid him at the highest he was ever going to be coming off that Super Bowl MVP, how incredibly was in that playoffs run. But um, we've also been somewhat zapped, cheated out of Von Miller peak, some Von Miller peak seasons here, not just because of the injury, uh, but because of how bad the Broncos offense has been. Because when you have a rusher like Von Miller, you're going to get those great looks when you are ahead in the fourth quarter and he can pin his ears back and, Broncos have not had that at all the last five years because their offense has been that bad. I mean, Vaughn Miller, everybody looks at his sack production and what he brings to that is brings the defenses so much more than that. He is one of the best run defenders at the edge position. And going back to 2019, that's the last tape that we had. He was still top 10 for total pressures. And the best predictor for future sacks is pressures. I think that he's going to come back. He's going to have a big year hitting double digit sacks. And if you're just, I mean, I know getting after the quarterback, getting those sacks, that's the biggest thing for an edge rusher. But, I mean, it, there's a lot of guys out there that they're good pass rushers, but if you're not a quality run defender, you're either not going to hit the field or you're just going to be limited. We saw that with Shane Ray. Granted, he really wasn't able to take that next step forward as a pass rusher. But it, he, Von Miller does so much for his defense with his run defense that that cannot get forgotten about when talking about how much his contract is. Is he slightly overpaid? I don't think so, but I under, I can understand why people think that he is. I mean, again, pass rushers, you're paid primarily for getting sacks, and that is something that he has had some problems with over the years. Yep. No, absolutely. It's a great point, um, and you know, staying healthy will be big. Um, also, these guys, it really matters for them if they have a good secondary behind them, and the Broncos uh, recently have had issues with that. So uh, let's bring in Brian Greenfield here. Double dipping today. First coming in with five, now coming in with ten. Thank you so much, Brian. Um, he says that I'm pretty sure we'll make the Giants one-dimensional by stacking the box week one. If not, I am going to be pissed. Well, Brian, I think a lot of it will depend on if Sa- uh, Saquon Barkley plays, right? Like if you're going up against, I couldn't even tell you off the top of my head, the Giants backup uh, running back. I think it is, oh, it's Devontae Booker. I think it's actually Devontae Booker. It's a blast from the past there for the Denver Broncos. But if you're going up against Devontae Booker, you probably don't need to stack the box unless they're gashing you in the offensive line. Then you got to lean into that. Um, but if it's Saquon Barkley, you might see them be a little bit more aggressive. Maybe that's not just scheme-wise stacking the box, but personnel-wise, you know, with two linebackers on the field more so than that uh, dime look that they've been talking about using. Um, but um, what do you think here? Are you going to be upset if they're not stacking the box? Uh, they do have some home run hitters. I mean, Sterling Shepard's a solid receiver. Obviously, they have Evan Ingram, and they paid all that money for uh, uh, Kenny Galladay. Also, Darius Slayton, who we both liked in the draft coming out, if I recall. And I'm pretty sure they're all dealing with injury, too. And a couple of them, they're not sure if they'll be playing as well of those receivers. Yeah. But, um, I mean, stacking the box, that's so situational, depending on what look you're getting, depending on the down and distance, depending on game situation, quarter, time left, score. Like, I'm I'm not going to say I'm going to be frustrated if they don't. 
But at the same time, it's like if they're constantly getting gashed by Saquon Barkley, then yeah, you probably should do that a little bit more. And that's where my frustration would come in. I mean, obviously, if you're constantly allowing big runs, and this is something that we've seen a few times under Vic Fangio, constantly allowing the the offense to move the ball, and you're just keeping staying light in the box, like that's just not going to work. That's no adjustment whatsoever from your coaching staff and from what you're calling for your plays. But I mean, again, if these guys play, if these receivers play, I'd still be concerned about a deep enough threat. And but. I try to get pressure on. This is one thing talking about Bradley Chubb is if you're able to get consistent pressure from him, then you can feel a little bit more comfortable in not having to stack the box or even depending stacking the box, depending on how you view your safeties for uh, handling the deep ball, the explosive plays. Yeah, exactly. I mean, keep it in front of you um, and you got a chance to win this game. You just cannot like you need the, you need to not have those stupid turnovers where the other team is all of a sudden up seven because the ball went the other way or those big plays that can really switch momentum. Because if you keep it close and you, you, I think you can out execute this giants team um, in that regard. So repeat coming in from Leroy Williams. Uh, I read an article about Teddy Bridgewater dink and dunk approach with his arm limitations can work with this offense. I agree. Not comparing Teddy to Peyton Manning, but he did the same thing with arm limitations too. So what's the difference? Um, I'm not saying Teddy's not a, smart quarterback at all because he is a very smart quarterback but you're talking about arguably the best brain football brain to ever play the game in Peyton Manning I mean what Peyton could do pre-snap as well as uh the leadership that he had not and again it's not that Teddy didn't have leadership but like the expectations uh and respect that had Peyton Manning I mean if Peyton Manning told you to do something by God if you didn't do it and click your heels you're out of here in my book um so uh mm-hmm. that's that's the one that I think is a big thing here but this offense can uh, work with Peyton Manning. He's not Peyton Manning. Um, but as far as the vert or the horizontal offense, getting the ball to the right guy in space and time doing uh great, uh, run checks. Also, that's really important getting into the right run look based on the front. I mean, that's going to be real. It's hidden yards, uh, for the quarterback in that regard, but that's a big thing too, um, for this quarterback, uh, who's going to be the quarterback for this team. Um, and just keeping it simple, protecting the ball, keeping it simple and playing complimentary football. Is it sustainable for 10 years to win football games that way? Probably not. With this roster right now in 2021, that can keep you in almost every game, and that can take the Broncos pretty far this season. Yeah, I mean, Teddy, he's a smart quarterback. He's very intelligent. He knows how to make the calls pre-snap. We saw that a lot this preseason, him calling out his blocking, the blocking alignments, which took some pressure off of Lloyd Cushenberry. But Peyton Manning is a whole nother level when it comes to football intelligence. And the way he prepared, like, you just can't replicate that this offense, it can work and it can work with Teddy Bridgewater at the helm. And Teddy, he gets, he's not as checked down Teddy as a lot of people call him out to be Um, on third downs last year. He actually had a lower rate of throwing underneath the sticks on third down than Drew Locke did. So he's, he's calculated when, when he pushes the ball and when he goes to his check down, it's after he's gone through his reads, which is what you want to see. So, not Peyton Manning by any means, but it is an offense that you can work with and you can go out there and win games. The issue will be is if you get behind, can he go out there and win you the game? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's kind of like talking about the, the Hawkeyes. You know, everything went well. Defense killed him. Pressure constantly beating him up. Great run game. Great offensive line. At some point in the season, you're going to come up against an opponent where something's not going to be working. It's going to be close and it's going to fall on the shoulders of your quarterback. And is your quarter quarterback good enough to pick up that team and carry them over the finish line. Uh, and that's, you know, I guess we're going to find out Peter Middleton coming in here, Peter over in Cambodia. 
God bless you, Peter. Hope you're doing well. Um, says if Beck goes down, who will be our fullback? Um, first off, no, no fullback there. That's just that's, <laughs> why are you asking about the fullback? No, might as well ask about the long snapper. No, I'm uh, it probably would be Salbert or Alberto Huebenam, and I guess it depends on what's more important for their looks. Um, you might see some looks also with uh, somebody like Javante Williams or Mike Boone there, but typically you see a tight end uh, rolled back in that position, especially with Beck. I mean, he's H back tight end, uh, fullback. So I would lean Okoyebanam slash Salbert. And I guess it's what's more important to them in that look, uh, getting the blocker on the edge and Salbert and the athlete in the backfield or uh, flipping it with Salbert being the better blocker in the backfield. I mean, Denver kept Andrew Beck. I'm not sure why. Um, last or last year, last year he played 53 snaps as a fullback over yeah. the whole season. And then I know they had Jeremy Cox back there and Jeremy Cox, he played like an additional like 17. Yeah. Like 70 ish snaps. Like you don't need to keep somebody full time just for that. No. So if, if he goes down, knock on wood, I don't want him to get hurt. Hopefully the Broncos decide, yeah, we don't need a fullback and they just go away from that. And if they're, if they want to use two backs, Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon, there we go. Boom. Um, we got Michael Ronquillo coming in here saying, good evening, Nick and Eric. Good evening, Greg Smith. You mean Aloha, Greg Smith. Excuse me. And uh, Broncos country. Go Broncos for life. Amen. Thank you so much, Michael. Uh, thank you for supporting us both in the more AM and the PM. Uh, very helpful for us there. We also got Brian Greenfield coming back in with five, five dollars over on YouTube saying, okay, I understand we aren't attacking the box every down or stacking the box every down, but we better make so Daniel Jones has to beat us, which I don't see happening. Um, I'm going to be a little bit tongue in cheek here, a little, a little cheeky, I guess the way to go here, but, uh, you don't have to make, you don't have to beat Daniel Jones or make Daniel Jones beat you. You have to make Daniel Jones beat himself. And what is that? You know, making him stick in the pocket. The alarm bells are going off, not trusting his line. Uh, I think you're going to get pressure on him organically, especially, um, I see the giants fan in here saying Daniel Jones is good with the deep pass. You know what you need to do uh, to have a deep pass? You need to have the pass protection in front of you to let the, those deep routes develop. And uh, if you're beating the offensive line up front, um, Daniel Jones is either going to make a mistake because he's feeling the pressure or he's going to hold on to the ball too long. And if he's not the leader in the league in uh, strip sacks uh, from the quarterback position, he's got to be one of the top over the last two seasons. So uh, with Von Miller and Bradley Chubb, you can get after the quarterback. Also, uh, God, I am so ready for a Draymond Jones breakout game. Maybe this, maybe week one will be the game. I'm just looking for one of like three sacks, you know, maybe a pick six, something like that. Or Dray, it's like, oh my God, Draymond Jones, hello. Uh, and with how those Broncos coaches and everybody's been talking about him all off season, he was good in preseason. Don't get me wrong, but I'm looking for that game where it's like, dude's here. Let's let's do it. And this this could be the game because I not impressed all around with the Giants' offensive line. Yeah, I mean that's that's the thing is like Daniel Jones is. You don't make him beat you. You make him beat himself. You make him beat his own team. Getting pressure on it. He was one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL last year when it, when he was under pressure. Was one of the most sacked quarterbacks, and they didn't do a whole lot to really improve that offensive line. They're betting on improvement from Andrew Thomas, which, granted, it's preseason, but it, you didn't see the improvements that you want to see from Andrew Thomas. And, in fact, when I broke down Andrew Thomas to get ready for this game, it looked like he actually took a step back, a lot more lunging, not keeping his hands and his feet in sync. A leaning, I mean, I don't know how many times I saw him kicking out to this thing or kicking outside in his kick slide and him getting heavy on his outside foot and just so easy to push over and get that inside leverage on him. Uh, it's just not seeing this improvement. So just constantly rattle him. Maybe it doesn't pay out right away, but eventually he's going to make a mistake. 
something's going to happen, and it's going to be a big play for the defense. And if Denver's losing at that point, it should be enough to help them get right back into this game. Keep it close, and who can not make the mistake, right? I mean, that's not... Again, I keep saying it's not sustainable long-term. Eventually, you're going to have to outscore guys, right? Because there's so many explosive offenses, especially in the AFC West with the quarterbacks they have and uh, how volatile defensive, how good defenses are year to year. Um, but with this team on paper this year, that should be enough. It really should be. Honestly, the biggest thing is I've already, you know, I've made my bed with Teddy slash Locke. They're going to be as good as they are. I'm not expecting top 10 from either of them. I'm not expecting top 14 from either of them. Offensive line, though, if that offensive line can be great, um, they can dictate a little bit more on the offensive side of the ball. Um, that would be incredible. A quarterback, I mean, remember rookie year Dak Prescott, where they went all the way to, they should have probably beaten the Packers in Green Bay. I think that was rookie year Dak Prescott. Leaned on that offensive line. Defense wasn't that good, but they could dictate. Uh, same with the Browns last year. I mean, I know you were, you were a bigger Baker Mayfield guy, right? Yeah. I recall. I think Baker's just been solid in the NFL. Yeah, not great. Um, but last year, that offensive line, they were able to dictate and make it really easy for Baker Mayfield. And that was as close as the chiefs were to being knocked out because that offensive line continually uh, pressed the issue and made it. So the run game was efficient and they could create explosive plays with the run game, et cetera, et cetera. It is a formula that can win maybe not every single year, but if you have that offensive line that season, it can work. Um, Maine to Bay coming in over on YouTube with the $2 super. Thank you so much, Maine. Uh, he says, just got in is Chubb and Fant hurt. Oh God, please. No. Um, it is not serious. Um, it sounds like it's not serious. I am a little bit concerned about the vagueness of the Fant injury, but uh, here we are, and it's it's an ankle injury for Chubb. It's not the inj- It's not the ankle that he had surgery on. Uh, do you think that's better or worse that it's not the ankle? The ankle he has uh, had surgery on. As somebody who's completely messed up my ankles, I think it's better that it's not. Um, with all the injuries that I've done to my own ankles, like it seemed like after the first one, it seemed to just get weaker and weaker. But at the same time, that's also the fact that now it, the other ankle is something to be concerned about too, because it's now weaker. So I don't know. I guess it's a good thing and a bad thing is the best is what I can think of. It's not what you want. Uh, luckily for the Broncos, had, uh, they do have some depth at edge. And hopefully, I really hope that this season they lean a little bit more with the depth with Jonathan Cooper, even though he's a, you know, maybe he's never a amazing starting caliber edge in the league, but he looks like he's going to be one of like the better backup types or a solid starter. And Malik Reed was very solid last year, maybe not a star, um, even though he led the team in sacks, but it could be very good. So with Chubb, he's a different type of pass rusher than both those guys. Um, And I want him out there because I think he really can uh, take it to Andrew Thomas. Um, But hopefully game flow wise you're out there executing uh you don't need to lean on him a hundred percent and you're going to rotate those guys anyway I, ideally you're going to see them rotate the edge rushers this season a lot anyway i mean when the broncos defense was the best there was a team that rotated those edges a lot and those guys were fresh they were healthy less chance to get dings uh, because just less snaps and uh with cooper and reed ideally you should be able to rotate those guys yeah definitely and that's when the broncos won the super bowl you touched on it i mean the big key for that was that they're able to not just rotate their edge rushers, but their defensive line to get that interior pressure and didn't have this huge drop off in performance out there. I mean, obviously there was some going from DeMarcus Ware and Von Miller to Shaq Barrett, who has turned into be a great player. And then Shane Wright, who's now out of the NFL. Obviously there's some drop off, but it wasn't a major one to where it just completely crippled your defense. And obviously you're not going and pulling Von Miller and Bradley Chubb and putting in Cooper and Reed. So it's, that helps ease that. And so having this depth, I mean, that was something that last year we just didn't have when Malik Reed out that was out there. 
he struggled against the run, and I know he had eight sacks, but a lot of his sacks were not exactly great individual plays by on his part. Um, and when Bradley Chubb was was off the field, and in came um, the he's what was with the Bears now, um, Chiquillo and um, the other one that they had. Whenever they came in, like there was this huge drop off in performance from that side of the ball, and it just you can't go out there and you can't be a consistent defense if you have that huge drop off. Yep. Nope. Absolutely. It's going to be fun to see how this team looks. I'm really hoping they don't look flat. I know that a lot of Broncos country was probably panicking there for a second. Um, when, uh, the Rams third string, the offense was moving the ball against the Broncos first string, but, uh, it's early. They're probably also, well, that's one big thing too. Vic Fangio is probably calling simple, stupid scheme. Um, uh, we don't have the all 22, unfortunately, but, uh, schematic wise, probably not anything super complicated, which is what he will unveil. Um, again, uh, week one against the, New York Giants and Daniel Jones. So we'll be really interesting. Uh, Eric, I don't know if we're gonna have another chance to talk about this Broncos Giants game um, before we get into, the, you know, it's what is it one week away? We're eight days away. Um, what are your keys to the game? Uh, now that we're really starting to dip our toes into that, uh, that matchup. I mean, we've both talked on it is rattle Daniel Jones. That's the biggest one. Anytime you can affect the quarterback and the team, every team lives or dies by the play of the quarterback, do whatever you can to rattle him. Get to Daniel Jones, force him to make mistakes when it, he gets under pressure, and better yet, rattle him enough to where he makes mistakes even when pressure isn't getting home. Uh, be creative because this offensive line for the Giants, they're not the most experienced, and they are, obviously we've talked about it, they're not the best unit. So I would expect to see a heavy dose of stunts coming out of Vic Fangio, which is his favorite. He's going to do everything he can to get as much pressure as he can with as few pass rushers and to sit there and complicate the reads, to drop more people in coverage, trying to disguise it. I mean, Daniel Jones is smart, but I mean, not that smart, not to a thing where he can sit there and read through these and able to get pressure compared with that. Mistakes are going to happen. And I mean, we can see multiple turnovers for the Broncos defense. Yeah. And you're talking about the Broncos defense versus the Giants. So you're leaning on the strength. I think the most interesting thing will be the Broncos offense versus the Giants defense. Um, they have a very good secondary, not as good as the Broncos, but they have one of the better secondaries on paper. And like I said, I outside of Washington football team, I don't know if there's a better duo for the interior defensive line, which could be an issue for the Broncos as a team that's really wanting to lean on that run game and everyone drink. I think I said this on the, one of the morning shows with Scott, but um, I've seen this a hundred times with the Iowa Hawkeyes. It's when the run game is not working um, and they continue to try to do it and it's just not working. And eventually they just completely lose their identity. You know, they panic. Oh my gosh, we're, you know, three drives in. We've uh, only gotten one first down and the run game is only averaging like two and a half yards of carry. Okay. That's fine. I mean, that's not great, but you know, that's going to happen maybe with how good this giants defensive line is. Um, but with this defense that you have here, I don't think you, you don't want to lose who you are. In this game, if the run game is not working at first, that's okay. The run game is supposed to be a cumulative effect over a game. It's like a, it's like a boxer, right? Like if you're going in there trying to throw haymakers right away, sometimes that's fine, but you're getting those body blows, right? You're, you're slowing them down. You're weakening their core um, and getting at them. And eventually after enough punches, you leave them vulnerable for that big hit. Um, so as long as the defense can keep it close, even if your run game is not working as well as you want to early, don't abandon it. Don't lose who you are keep going at it stay focused as long as it's staying close and eventually you will wear this team down because i like this giants defense i think they're pretty good obviously we talked about it um but i don't know if they have the they're, they're not the deepest either right like uh, you have two uh rookies 
um, in, in the depth or the backups uh, for this defensive line with uh, Quincy Roche and uh, Raymond Johnson as some backups. I also have Danny Shelton, who's been a pretty big bust, but I just don't, I don't love their depth. I think if you can continue to go at them, keep punching body blows. I mean, you got two good running backs. You should have a good enough offensive line, protect the ball. And you, even if it's like, you know, four yards at a time, three yards at a time, keep it close, keep punching. Eventually you're going to wear them down. I really do think that it's like a rock over or a water over stone. You will break them. And the best way to attack this Giants defense is attack the edges. Their edge position, it's not the strongest. They're definitely stronger in the interior. And their other linebackers, besides Blake Martinez, aren't always the quickest to get outside. Mm -hmm. And with them having a Dory Jackson, run right at him. I mean, he is not good when it comes to being a corner defending the run. Run at him and just put the pressure on that side. Mix it up a little bit, of course, but definitely go and attack the edges of this Giants defense. Yeah, and circling back before we start to wrap it up in here, um, bringing it back to Noah Fant. Let's say Noah Fant's not 100%. You're not really in love with uh, game planning for Alberto Cuevanam, Eric Saubert. You know, Eric Saubert's been a journeyman to date. He's looked good in camp, no doubt about that, but it's camp. You know, there's, there's tears every time. Oh, you heard them in camp, preseason, regular season, postseason. You know, every single time it gets a little harder and harder. Um, but if you don't want to lean on Saubert or... Uh, and you want to isolate those Giants linebackers, which Blake Martinez is fine, but he does allow catches. Maybe this is a chance where you're looking for Teddy Bridgewater, Mr. Yak, you know, giving those guys Yak, serving up on a platter. Maybe the running backs. We haven't talked so much about the running backs in the past game. Didn't see it so much in preseason as, as you'd like to see, but um, you know, it's something that Teddy emphasized, emphasized and worked on over the last two seasons, I mean, going from Alvin Kamara to Christian McCaffrey leading up to those seasons prior to injury. So that's something he's going to focus on. And while I haven't loved the Javante Williams pass catching, uh, once he gets the ball in space and his uh, pass blocking is incredible. And then Melvin Gordon, also actually a pretty darn good receiver. So even if you're losing Noah fan, I am curious to see how the Broncos, again, it's leans into conservative game plans, but using these running backs in the pass game, as well as an extension of the running game. I think if you take Noah fan out of the equation, your best thing, besides getting the running backs involved in the passing game, which I ex fully expect, Pat Schirmer, he really likes to get those running backs involved. I think that your best bet would be utilize KJ Hamler on a little bit of these shorter throws, mm -hmm. not so much the deep. And, I mean, people see his speed and automatically think deep. But one of the things he did best at Penn State was getting these underneath throws and just making something magical happen afterwards. And without Noah Fant, I think that's what that's the best way to go to lean on is KJ Hamler on these short throws. Oh man, I would absolutely die if they started to use KJ Hamler. Maybe some options with some jet sweeps with KJ Hamler coming around here to freeze those edge rushers. I mean, you want to talk about softening an edge and those guys being the weaker parts. If you have KJ Hamler with a you know head on fire on a jet sweep or a pre-snap motion, you act like you're gonna put it in his gut and then give it to Javante Williams the other side. Good luck. You know, unless unless uh, Dexter Lawrence is absolutely blowing, blowing up Lloyd Cushenberry, you know, three or four yards into the backfield, which is possible because um, Cushenberry is struggling and Dexter Lawrence is 6'5", 35-inch arms and 350 pounds um, that I recall, which is an absolute unit. Um, but uh, those are ways, and you can really also uh, not only soften those edges, but also freeze those linebackers as well so they're not f flowing as well to the football. And then that opens up play action, RPO. Ah, oh, man, this is, I'm, I'm in a college football mindset right now. You don't see that innovation <laughs> as much in the NFL. Um, maybe you should, though. But um, we got another uh, superstar is coming in here from Michael Ronquillo saying, great show tonight, Nick and Eric, this Saturday night. Thank you very much, Michael. He also says, "Go Broncos for life. Go Broncos for multiple life sentences." How about that? You know, we're, we're <laughs> this is we're getting slapped on here. You know, we're not working off for good behavior. Not not in this show. 
Um, so, but go ahead. I have one question for you. Talking about Please. how to attack, what is your one matchup concern coming into this game? One oh. defender or offensive player against the other one? Um, specifically for the Broncos defense or just in general? Either either way, Broncos offense versus the defense or it's it's Lloyd Cushenberry. Um, I think that Lloyd Cushenberry is the linchpin of the offense. I really like, like I said, I really liked it, uh, Leonard Floyd and, or Leonard Williams and uh, Dexter Lawrence. I think they can do a lot of uh, twists and under fronts with them as well. Um, and Cushenberry struggled with that last year. He's just, he's not very good at the point of attacking. If this team is trying to be physical up front and get that kind of identity, your center cannot be your worst player on the offensive line. You cannot be weak there. Um, so it's uh, kind of an unfortunate situation, but that that scares me a bit. I just worried that uh, Cushenberry is going to get bully balled um, in this game, and that could totally that could just totally uh, kill your game plan. Yeah, I definitely agree. I was kind of I was with you how you were talking about Dexter Lawrence. I kind of figured that's the way you were getting, wanted to go, but I wanted to hear somebody else kind of not necessarily rag on Lloyd Cushenberry, but just mention that he's got to step up because this preseason wasn't good from him, and last year wasn't good, and I think that. The offense, they made some changes towards the end of last season. I think that was mutually beneficial to Drew Locke as well as Lloyd Cushenberry. Took out the responsibility of him trying to call the blocking alignments. Um, so hopefully Teddy Bridgewater is able to help him be comfortable as a result by handling that aspect of it. But it's still enough of a concern that if Denver loses, I wouldn't be shocked if a large reason of this is because Lloyd Cushenberry just couldn't hold his own. Yep, very possible. Are there any matchups that you are just most looking forward to, you know, just just for fun? Um, something that, you know, like this is going to be a good one, two good players, or one that's very favoring the Broncos. You know, you could say maybe lining up Von Miller versus Matt Pert is going to be, you know, like, can he even bend over to touch Von Miller with how low Von Miller can get uh, <laughs> around the edge? I mean, I don't know. Matt Pert's long, but like he's tall and kind of uh, kind of stiff as well. Um, I... I want. I really want to see. It's not an individual thing. I want to see these Broncos receivers attack this secondary of the Giants, and as primarily James Bradbury. I think that he's a good guy, a good corner, but I think that he's one that you can easily get caught into bad matchups and exploit. And with the Broncos depth that receiver, I want to see what they are able to do to try to get these favorable matchups against him on the offense. Yeah, and we got a comment coming in from Peter Middleton here. So I think he's talking about Cushenberry getting beat up, saying, uh, and also, I mean, Glasgow and Reisner also have some issues when it comes to holding their ground. I think they're both, they're both obviously their offensive linemen, and uh, compared to me, they could kick the heck out of my butt. But th- I would say they're both a little <laughs> bit more uh, finesse blockers um, than they are, you know, those kind of mauler types where, you know, they are super just grown man strength tossing guys aside. Um, so it's not just Cushenberry. It's those two guys as well with this interior defensive line. Um, but when you're talking about running back to support, typically you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but typically that running back is much more helpful for helping somebody on the edge. Like if your interior offensive line is getting your running back and help step up and whatnot and do that. But a lot of times if that running backs out there and just you're holding him back to be an extra blocker, it's more about slowing down an edge rusher. If you're getting beat up in the middle, there's not much you can do. Unless you want to, uh, you can, I guess you can compact the line and do double teams with that and then have one-on-ones with the running back helping there. Um, but uh, what do you think on that? I don't like, is the running back going to help that much if your interior is getting blown up? I mean, typically it's either when you're keeping a running back in there, it's either to help out one of your edge defenders or keep an eye for a blitz coming either yep. from the interior or on the outside. Not so much going in and helping handle the yep. nose tackle that's just beat up on your center. 
it's yeah. definitely possible. I mean, if the tackles are able to hold their own, no blitz, then yeah, he can come up and help that. But that's typically not the the main idea or plan when you keep a running back into block. Yeah. So if uh, one of those interior offensive linemen is getting beat up, it's odds are you're going to have to see double teams from the interior and kind of some shuffling of the assignments in the pass protection. Um, but uh, you feel good about that, even though isolating. Heck, I think not constantly, but if you at some points, you know, left Williams out there with an edge rusher when he was meeting him or, you know, some trickery with the blind moving, I think you could handle it for a little bit, obviously not for a lot, um, but he's looked pretty good in that, uh, that department. Um, last one I want to say, but I'm really excited about, uh, Jerry Judy, right? Like he's been killing it all camp. He's probably been the Broncos most electric player. Um, and he needs to have a great year if this team is going to be great. Um, and this is a good defense, but I think I really hope that the giants match up James Bradbury on him because I want to see Bradbury try to get hands on Judy. Um, I think it'll most likely be a Dory Jackson. That's on paper. That's what it would look like. A is in a very explosive athlete, but sometimes I think he plays a little bit tall. Um, not the best change of direction, more explosive forward. Um, so I'm really curious to see how Judy looks against you guys. You mentioned the wide receivers, but I'm looking Judy specifically and Judy versus Adoree Jackson. So when I started talking about the receivers, it was primarily because I want to see Jerry Judy against James Bradbury. Yeah. I think that's the, that's the most exploitable matchup for the Broncos offense. But ideally for the Giants is getting Jackson on him because Jackson's just so fast and so quick. But Jackson, he's kind of a, uh, I don't want to say, say Jackson, they, have two, they have two Jackson cornerbacks. Um, they do. Adore. They have the, they traded for the Hawkeyes. They traded yeah. for Josh Jackson. Yeah. yeah um, getting him against the Dory. I think that he is a, I mean, very quick, very athletic, but he sometimes can get caught up trying to guess routes. And so I'm kind of curious to see what Jerry Judy can do, trying to throw him off and make him guessing, seeing him guessing correctly. Yeah, and uh, we got Jay coming in here. First, let's get to Travis here real quick with the stars. Travis is always a super big, uh, man, one of the nicest guys around. I really, shout out to you, Travis. You're a good guy. Um, Travis says, just showing some love. Thank you, Nick and Eric. Hope you guys are having a great Labor Day weekend. Bring on the season. Let's go Broncos. Thank you, Travis. You have a great Labor Day weekend too. Um, That's so very nice of you. Um, We got Jay coming in saying, you guys got me really worried about the center position. Um, I would be worried about it anyways, um, regardless, but I want to emphasize it's because of the matchup and it's how much I am impressed with Leonard Williams, who was the number three overall pick in 2014 draft, 2015 draft. It was the adore, uh, Amari, uh, Amari Cooper draft. Um, so he was by the jets and traded over to the giants. And then also Dexter Lawrence really, really talented. So um, that's, that's an area where you're going to have to look out for. Um, but yep. and even if Cushionberry struggles, I think you're more likely to see uh, Glasgow shifted over to center than miners. Cause miners, Miners needs to be put on ice for a little bit, right? He's a uh, he's in the fermentation chamber, if you will, for uh, for your beer drinkers out there. Um, yeah, but, if if Cushenberry struggles, Glasgow to center, and then Moody in at right guard. That's yep. that's what you're looking at. I doubt yep. we see Miners outside of injuries. Doubt we see Miners play this year. I will say, I would maybe you see Miners if the season is lost and you're looking to get reps out there, like the last like yeah. four weeks of the season. Like, oh, the Broncos aren't really playing for that much. Let's get the young guys out there on top of injuries is obviously one as well. But it's like when you have that quarterback who is uh, probably not ready to play, but you want to get him out there to get him some live reps to improve upon, get the confidence up, get some more tape out there. So um, that's where I think you your path to see Miners this year. So hopefully we don't see him <laughs> in that regard. Um, but guys, yeah, that's gonna have to do it for us. We're at a uh, one hour and two minutes and uh, we got things to do. And I know you guys do too. So first, before we go any further, I want to give a shout out to everybody who contributed today. We got Tyron Gaither, Andrew Morrow, Dave Glassman, Andrew Baker, two times, Gary Leeds Palmer, 
Cruzan 26. Go Broncos, Cruzan. We'll get you in the end. Uh, Butch Butch, Brian Greenfield three times. Peter M- Middleton, uh, Michael Ronquillo three times as well. Main Boy, Dennis Woods, as well as Travis Weber. And if we missed you guys, I am sorry, but, uh, you know, that's uh, there's a bunch of you out there. You all are so supportive and helpful. Um, and Eric, what are you uh, looking forward to? I see that uh, this Georgia Clemson game is pretty close right now. Uh, DJ Unkulele, uh, some people thought would be the number one overall pick in 2023. Looks like he is the second best uh, quarterback today because <laughs> Bryce Young was so good for Alabama. Um, so yeah, I just that game. Um, I just I'm actually going to go and just spend some time with the wife tonight. But I actually just caught a highlight of that. Um, caught a couple of them and DJU. I mean, one of them, he just held the ball forever, took a sack and then now just threw a pick six. So not yep. looking so good early on for the Clemson quarterback. Yep. Only score so far is a uh, DJ Ungalele pick six, but uh, man, he's a toolsy guy. We'll see how he plays. It's a uh, 2023. So he's got a lot of time to get there, but thank you everybody for joining us today. Um, obviously you guys can follow Eric and myself on Twitter, Eric at Eric trickle. That's E R I K E R I C K T R I C K E L. Excuse me. Um, for you, uh, for you listeners out there, I know not everybody's joining us in the live stream format, not the uh, the visual side. For the audio folks, it's E-R-I-C-K. Um, and Nick Kendall, M-H-H as well. Also, guys, make sure you follow Scott Kennedy um, over at Twitter as well, at Scout Kennedy. You guys can also follow us at M-H-I underscore football pod and at Mile High Huddle. Uh, Facebook folks, we did pretty well in the likes department on Facebook, 38. I would have loved to get it up to 40. So if you're at Facebook right now, uh, make sure you drop a like or a heart. That would be really nice. But if you're joining us on Facebook today, also make sure you go on, go on over to facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle, as well as facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle pod. If you're joining us on YouTube today, first off, shout out to everybody who gave the super star, uh, super stickers, uh, super chats over on YouTube, but also you guys make sure you subscribe, like, and share over on YouTube. Also, when you're over there, follow Scott's channel over on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash C forward slash Scott Kennedy. Uh, Eric, any shout outs or anything you want to get to before we get on out of here? Uh, no, I mean, it's been good. Thank you for having me on. It's always a treat when I get to sit down and, uh, just chat football with you and, uh, just was nice being on and thanks everyone for joining in. And also thanks to everyone who joined in last night too. Just quick shout out for the Valley drivers. You guys helped actually set a record for, all podcasts actually last night. So thank you all for joining in last night and helping break that record, man. That's awesome to hear. Uh, congrats to you guys. Uh, congrats to all the shows. Uh, thank you guys so much. It's going to be a fun season. Um, the second to last Saturday until we have Broncos football, the last Saturday until we have real NFL football, right? Thursday night football going to kick us off here. So, uh, it's here and it's beautiful. Love you guys. Stay safe. And uh, I'll see you guys Tuesday morning. Eric will see you guys, uh, next Friday. Uh, but until then, Go Broncos. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.